Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. Seahawk, it is our commitment to you that you have complete access to the top professionals, industry experts, and products for your fire service. We stand by the service and products we provide. We are proud of our past, and we are constantly listening to our customers and exploring new ways to bring better options to the fire service. This is Seahawk. High level, safety, service, security. Please visit our website at www.seahawkservice.ca or give us a call at 1-888-791-4210. Hello, folks. Welcome to Growing Up Fire, Season 2, Episode 21. I'm going to pull a solo today and talk about a bunch of things. And it's thanks to you. It's thanks to you for calling in, messaging me, you know, holding me accountable as we talk about different things on the podcast and I share different things on my social media. And and so uh, today's the day. We're going to talk a little bit about I don't know, hundreds of different things and, and go through it. And then that feedback will drive me to future episodes. Today, I'm going to kind of give you an update of me. We try to do that as a family. My wife comes on, my kids come on. We kind of tell you where we are and what we're doing. And so for me now, I'm the fire chief in the city of Chestermere. Work with a great team here. I've been back for about four months. It's building time. This is one of the fastest growing cities in the country. And it's cool to be part of uh, how that challenges the city, the people and the fire service. And so we're working that through with council. We're working that through with administration and our own fire team. You know, we're lucky to be in a position where we get to grow the team and grow the fire service. And so we're out there doing that. You know, we're looking for land for a new fire hall. We're going through trucks and equipment and kind of a top to bottom, front to back type thing. So it lends in great with my background with all of the evaluation stuff I do on the side in my consulting role. So still doing that. Basically, full-time fire chief city of Chestermere, probably three-quarter time (laughs) consultant, working with my wife, Kirsten, and uh, the group over at Seahawk around Western Canada to figure out how fire departments are doing, what they're doing, and how things are going. Super proud to be part of that. And then our own stuff, right? So we've got our apparel line, we've got our podcast that you're listening to now, and uh, those things drive other opportunities. And so we work with lots of groups doing training exercises, tabletops, live exercises in emergency management, and just kind of sharing our experience that we've done across the globe. To me, I love uh, doing the consulting stuff. I love helping out fire departments, hearing their challenges, trying to help them grow. I love working with my wife. It's super cool. She's got a HR health and safety background that she brings to the table that uh, it makes me wonder every single time we go out that how she got that background and how she knows what she knows. But I always appreciate it. I always love that it brings a different perspective and, and it helps out all the people that we deal with all the time. I could tell you not a day goes by where I don't get a message or a phone call or, hey, bud, can you call me? I have a question. And I absolutely would not have it any other way. So if you need help, if you're in doubt, if you just need somebody to talk to, I'm your guy, phone me up. I love that stuff, right? I try to make time for everybody. A couple simple rules I follow, just as I say all that. Try to send emails back within 24 hours and try same-day service on phone calls. Texting, I'm pretty good about getting back almost immediately. So reach out. 
let's talk. Let's keep it going. It's not, uh, I don't know everything. Not even remotely do I know everything, but I do know a lot of things about this one thing, right? Firefighting's in my blood. It's kind of, I did that uh, next to being alive. It's the thing I did most in my life. And so, you know, I like to help out with that. I like to talk about that. I like to have good, healthy discussions and uh, like to be part of all of those. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. We live in the city of Chestmere. It's a great place to live down south. It's been hard to adjust from the north. You know, a lot less trees. <laughs> of course, we don't know as many people. We're just a small cog and a great big wheel here. But that's been fun too, right? Whereas maybe everyone kind of knew who I was and felt like they could say whatever they wanted about me. In the north, in the small town I lived in, here I get to be, I guess, kind of more anonymous, which is which has been good at this point in our life and, and gives us a chance to reach out and meet a lot of new people and do a lot of cool things. Just yesterday, we were part of the Chestermere Amazing Race, which was fun. Got to sit with the crews and, and have some events and, and meet all kinds of diverse people from this community and uh, show them a little tiny bit about what it's like to be a firefighter. We used our Firefighter Olympics, which I've been helping out with for, man, I don't know, 25 years or so doing different events. So great way to meet the community, great way to be involved. Love that, right? So that's what uh, I'm doing now right? Just to bore you to death for five minutes there. So reach out, let's talk. And anything about fire, emergency management, you know, health and safety, all of those topics, love it, uh, can help out. For me, I'm super excited and I hope to be able to do a podcast with him. Uh, Dr. David Griffin is coming here in October. So we're going to have him host him here at the fire service, Chestmere, and we're going to get to listen to his uh, amazing story, the sad beginning, the uh, complex middle and, and his success that he's had towards the end here to help the fire service grow and to learn from the terrible things that happen in the fire service. So check him out, Dr. David Griffin, check out, uh, check out Sofaland Fire down in the States there and uh, hear what it's all about. When we're always learning, we're always part of this. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit today about the student experience, the junior firefighter experience, and how important that is to be part of the fire service. We don't have a program here. We, we're working on it. We'll get one. But I've certainly been a part of many, and I certainly watched some. Ashley Whitlock, shout out to you and the, and the folks at uh, Camp Psy in Edmonton there. Great program that they're running. I uh, got to sit with them and do a podcast this last year. Uh, I've got to watch them and help out and do different events with them. Even had a chance to help them out a little bit with thermal image camera. And so that's important to growing up fire. That's important to me. It's important to the fire service to help out where we can. And so I guess this is my plea to you, the listeners, to make sure that you have that experience for the youth right? We need them. We're, they're going to be joining up. We're going to need them to like it early and to be interested in it and to understand it. And, and I think to understand the complexities of all of it. So try to do that. Try to help out where you can. Interact with the schools. It's that time of year. Get into the schools. Talk to the kids. It's worth the time, right? I know that everybody needs a piece of our time and it's already hard enough. Some of you are volunteer firefighters. Some are paid on call. Some are full-time. In each one of those experiences, you know, you require more or less time, more or less commitment, and it's harder when you're not getting paid. It's easier when it's your job, right? And so wherever you can, however you can, participate at the level that you can and help out where it's possible because um, we are going to drag these kids into our job, right? We're going to need to. And so you look at the, the different programs out there that are just for women, 
just for the diversity in different communities, for all the kids, for high school kids, for, you know, all of these programs help out in different ways, right? Our last recruitment, I was sad. There was, you know, there wasn't as much diversity, I guess, as I was hoping of people that apply. I live in a city of just about 30,000 people now that's very diverse. Uh, you walk down the street and you see it every single day. And so I guess I assumed that I would get that level of diversity in the applications. It's not there yet. We got to work on that and keep all of that stuff moving forward. Early experiences drive interest, exposure, and commitment, right? I got to be involved right from the time I was in grade nine. I got to be in a big live exercise. I got flown as a patient in a helicopter back to the airport. It was a massive exercise. This was all part of a school program that we had that was teaching us about police, fire, and ambulance. If they didn't have me before that, which I think they probably did, that definitely was a key to dragging me in, right? You know, turn 18, get the job. And uh, I can remember one fire just like sticks out in my mind so much early, early in my career and one rescue. I'll share both of those with you now. And so this was late afternoon in the southeast of Slave Lake, right? The house right beside the group home, which, of course, is a we all knew where that was. Right. So get on the truck. We're going over there. And uh, I'm early, early in my career. First few months, I would say I get picked to go with one of the. The top captains at the time and well known to be a go-getter, right? As we're going through the backyard to enter through the back door, there's a guy standing there and he's got a, a knife in his hand and he's talking about, I'll cut my own throat, I'll cut my own throat. And I remember, not the captain I was going with because we were busy stretching a line, but another captain walked in the back and he says, just cut your effing throat then, we got a fire to put out. I remember looking over to think like, what just happened here? Like that can't be said, that's... And the guy was so bewildered that he actually just kind of put the knife down and the four RCMP that were there grabbed him and took care of things. And that hazard went away so that we could deal with the fire. At the time, just went by in a blur, didn't really even think that much about it. But then all of a sudden, now we're into this raging house fire. All right. And we went in the back door, we're into the kitchen, what later turned out to be the kitchen. We probably got about halfway through following along the countertop. My leg, one leg went through to probably my mid thigh. I thought, uh-oh, I'm gone, right? And so I'm pulling on the hose, yelling. The captain's like, let's go, let's go. He doesn't know I'm through the floor. He comes back, reaches down, right? I'm down on the floor. He literally just grabs me by the shoulder, pulls me dead, bolt upright, says, let's go. <laughs> and so we start to push into the fire. And, and so to me, like, I didn't even have time to panic. I didn't have time to worry about it. Even later, I don't know if I had time to think about it, but how close I probably was to ending up in the basement, which would have been catastrophic, right? And so, you know, this is 30 some years ago. Things were different then. We didn't really debrief it or talk about it that much. But that fire, it, there was fire everywhere. And the hole I actually fell through, turns out later on, is where he dumped five gallons of gas. So it burned through pretty quick. And that's why the, the hole was... Uh, there in the first place, right? I would say that impacted me huge, right? It drove up my interest. It drove up my commitment. It drove up my exposure to horrific circumstances early, early, just get to go through. Now, one that happened earlier, this was probably weeks into my career. So I'm just 18 and we get called out to a rescue call. At that time in Slave Lake, we're going, some of our responses are 100 kilometers. Some of them are farther than that. And so this day it was maybe 60, 70 kilometers. We get out and it's one vehicle is smashed into the back of another vehicle. 
uh, two trucks. We go down into the ditch to work with the first guy, and the box of the trucks flipped 180 degrees, right upside down. And there's this dog, a German Shepherd dog, barking, and his snout's cut open, probably about six, seven inches. I mean, it's this snarling, out of a horror movie, snarling, barking, blood spraying around dog. We ended up having to kind of rope it and tie it to a tree so we could work on the driver. Walk up to the driver, and he's talking on an Aurora phone. This will date how old this is. Of course, it's not working. The whole truck's a mess, right? But he's trying to give people details. and So we're like, hey, bud, hang up, right? And we actually have to grab the phone and, and hang it up. So we're working on him. We get called back up to the road. There's been two kids and a, and a father in the truck. And so the kids are both injured, um, not gravely, just injured and then the dad is we're doing cpr right and so i get tapped to drive the ambulance i'm a few weeks into this 18 years old all the real experienced people are required in the back i'm kind of like that kid that you could spare so i'm into the front and we're driving you know they're doing all their stuff so they're telling me like every time you hit a bump you got to let us know well if you've ever driven up in the north and, and around slave lake especially you would know that I basically would have had to just say bump, 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 <laughs> all the way back to town. Eventually, one of the paramedics sticks his head up and with a big smile says to me, maybe just tell us when it's the big bumps. <laughs> and so that just stuck in my mind as well, right? And so we get to town. One of the, right beside me on the passenger seat is one of the kids with a broken arm. You can hear all the stuff in the back. They're clear, CPR in progress. I know what's going on. And the kid keeps looking at me and I'm thinking, man, that's this kid's dad in the back. That impacted me as well. I think that started out on the compassion piece, the, you know, how am I going to take care of this person? What am I going to say? This little kid just staring at me, right? And we get to the hospital. Of course, everybody's out of the back. They're into the ER. And it's just me and this little kid sitting there. I'm like, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll go find some help and I'll, I'll figure it out. Anyways, we, we stuck together, we got some help, and but I, I always wonder what happened as that kid grew up, right? Lost their dad on that miserable night there. So for me, experiences, right? We got to do this as early as we can. Uh, we also have to protect them from all the exposures. I could tell you after that car accident, I remember sitting there staring into my locker, just staring into the abyss one night. Captain Bellreve, big influencer for me early in my career walked up and he goes hey what's wrong kid and man you know this call we had the other night and he's like he was the captain right he's like ah that was pretty bad you know bad things happen and he but he kind of turned it around and he said we saved a lot of people that night and we can't save everyone that's just how it goes and and he talked about the funny things that happened the sad things that happened i guess the challenging pieces of it and then for the rest of that practice just kind of took me under his wing and showed me his stuff and and made sure that i was okay so that was kind of the mental health of the day obviously it's better today and, and we take better care of everyone today but that was another big impact on my career and my mental capabilities to handle this this kind of stuff, right? I often find myself thinking, hey, you got to go act like Captain Bellreve here and talk to this guy. So all of those are big impacts, I guess, right? Stuck with this career through thick and thin for 28 years up there. Got a chance to leave, got out of there, and really thought I was kind of headed into semi-retirement. You know, I was going to work with a company and do some consulting work and, uh, you know, pays decently so, you know, I wouldn't have to work as much. But I just didn't feel like I was done with the operational stuff, right? You know, I'm 47 years old. 
I just couldn't see being even semi-retired. Did that for a couple of years, but uh, was always looking for these other opportunities, right? And so it's been great. I, I got nothing but great stuff to say about the job, about the career, about the people that I run into, and just so many amazing, terrible, horrible things that I've seen throughout my life. But it, I wouldn't trade it for anything, right? Just this past weekend, you know, I'm scrolling through my social media. There's a couple names, uh, a guy, Jim Meldrum, a uh, really great guy out of Slave Lake, been there for a hundred years, I think. <laughs> He's pointing at the Canadian Fallen Firefighters Memorial in Ottawa, and he's pointing to the name John Perkinson, all right? So John and I and Les Price all started on the same day. We were like the three amigos in Slave Lake, and John passed away quite a few years ago now, and it took a long time that Canadian Fallen Firefighters Foundation. They did not hit a home run on this one at first. Very disappointing. But in the end, they came through. They did what they're supposed to do. And uh, John got up on the wall. And so Jim was there uh, with John's son, David, and and another captain from Slave Lake to, to be there after COVID to see the first time John's name up on the wall. And so, you know, those are those powerful moments where you remember all the things that you did with all the different people and who impacted you and how they impacted you. The good, the bad, and the ugly, all of it. John was a beauty. John was a giver. He helped us rebuild bush trucks. He helped us change all of the equipment and trucks. And and uh, he's just one of these guys you just couldn't be upset around John. <laughs> he was uh, a mechanic full-time and a, and a volunteer later, paid on call firefighter with us. But even at the end, right, he's dying of fire-related cancer. He had a few different kinds. He was excited. We brought the truck to the hospital and he got to see it. He was excited when the parade was on. He was excited to hear our stories. And he was a firefighter through and through till the end. And so it was good to see him recognized and to be up on the wall, right? Uh, it was also that stark reminder that there's a never-ending toll on our bodies in this job right? I think I remember that every morning when I wake up, I'm almost 50 now and got a pair of bad knees and a bad back and, you know, a, a mental head full of stuff to think about. And so you wonder what'll be left, right? As I get up every day and I head out to do this, what'll be left and will it be worth it? Will I be able to say, shortening my life with some kind of deadly disease, was it worth it for all the things I did? Of course, you can imagine my wife doesn't like to talk about this, but when we do talk about it, uh, it's important for her to know and for my family to know that it was. It was worth it. It was 100% worth it. I wouldn't take back being in the middle of the firefight in Slave Lake trying to save our town. I wouldn't take back being in the middle of the firefight in Fort McMurray trying to save their city. You know, I wouldn't take back the fires, the floods, the rescues. The I wouldn't take it back. There's not nowhere I would have rather been than helping out the people that we were helping out at those times. And there's a price to pay, and I hate that. So we work hard every day to make sure that the new people coming up don't have to pay the same price, right? We do the cancer reduction strategies, we have the mental health programs, and we're working through those, the realistic ones. I hate the gimmicks and this, this stupid crap that comes out those companies should be shut, pissed on. But the real helpful things are out there, right? And so we got to sort through those. We got to figure out what's good and what's bad and what's just a gimmick that's trying to make money and, and isn't worth it, right? But to try and reduce that never-ending toll on the body. 
to try and make sure that uh, they're healthier. You know, this month I'm going in for my mental health checkup with the program that we run here. I've, I had one after Fort McMurray where they, they said that uh, I was struggling a lot more than I thought I was. But so I'm excited to go to this. I'm excited to see what somebody says is up there and what's going on and, and to work it through. Uh, I'm excited to be the first one to go and to try and help other people understand that they should go. For me, Chief Peg out in Toronto, he talks about it a lot. Big supporter of the program, big supporter of the regular checkups. So shout out to him for convincing me that that's the right thing to do and, and getting out there. Because you know what? Yeah, I, I've been through some stuff. No question about it, right? You know, the fire I was talking about in Slave Lake 2011, the Southern Alberta floods 2013. Like it was, uh, you know, that's a lot to go through. Fort Mac in 2016, high level 2019. And then through all the BS politics to actually get shut out of all of that kind of work after, but whatever, right? Haters got to hate. They need it more than me. I guess they can have it. But I mean, all of those things are part of the mental price you got to pay, right? And it's hard on your body. So I feel like a bit of a hypocrite here, but uh, <laughs> definitely take care of your body, take care of your mind. If your fire department's not working with cancer reduction strategies and mental health, get on that, figure it out. But also don't get sucked down the million rabbit holes that are super expensive with, with stuff that's just not going to help, right? Do your research, talk to your fellow firefighters. I've been super lucky. I think I'm at 434 fire departments across Canada now in the last five and a half years, almost six years. My original goal was 500. I didn't quite make it because of life being so busy, but I'll get there, right? And so by seeing those fire halls and talking to those thousands and thousands of firefighters, you get to see all the different levels that are out there, right? And it makes me sad. It makes me sad that there's fire departments that still aren't fit testing their people. It makes me sad that there's so many fire departments still not doing the audiometric testing to help their firefighters out with their, their hearing. You know, it makes me sad that there's so many fire departments that don't have simple things like standard operating guidelines or a training plan. But I also get it's a resource-based thing, right? You got, you know, an hour a week to try and make sure that you've got everything ready for your fire department and you have probably 2% of the funding that you need to do it properly. It makes me sad that we have all these occupational health and safety rules and nobody's actually out there enforcing them. Nobody's trying to make sure that uh, we get taken care of. So I'm out there working with hundreds of other chiefs across the country trying to make sure that people take care of you firefighters that you're there for your families later on and that this isn't uh, nobody thinks there's an expiration date on you nobody thinks that you're expendable you're a critical part of the fire service we love that you're doing that we, we love you for doing it we're working hard as a group to try and take care of you some other crazy things, people still remember Hellfire Heroes on Discovery Channel. I don't know why. I wish they'd let it go. People run into me <laughs> weekly and people mention it a lot. You know what? It was it was our try. We we wanted to help out the fire service. Did I had to pay for that in my career from people that were jealous or pissed off? Yeah, you bet. But whatever, right? Haters got to hate. That's their job. We give them social media as a platform. They got to cut other people out to try and walk up on their backs to be the top person uh, those people got to live with that crap right so good for them whatever if that lets you sleep through the night go for it for me we did it 100 percent for good intentions which was to expose people to the fire service to help people understand that it's a, a rugged job 
that you got to be ready for and trained up for and that the councils and the governments got to give us the money and the resources we need to to do a better job and so i'll never regret doing it right it's not my favorite time in my life but i'll never regret doing it and i'll never regret doing it with the people i did it with super lucky to have been with all those folks and and living through that one thing that came out of it that always makes me laugh was the jamie isms and so I got to Montreal one time and we're going through some of the shows and, you know, I'm just talking like I always talk. I've probably used some of them already here today. And uh, they had this big list that they'd written out of Jamieisms, things that I say. They were talking about it. And of course, I was embarrassed at first. But later to hear them talk about it, I was humbled, right, that they had introduced a lot of those sayings into their life, into their into their show, into the way they produce their show, because a lot of them are around you know, always trying to get better and always trying to watch out for other folks and, you know, always try to improve what you're doing and and what's going on. And so I guess if those are the things that stick with me and those are the things I say too much or too often or so often that people remember them, I can't be sad about that. I just can't uh, find a way to be sad about that. So if the Jamie-isms are going and you probably are all sitting there thinking about some laughing right now, that's great. That means it's working, right? I can't tell you how many people walk up to me and, and say, hashtag always learning. I think some of them, it's firefighters, so they're trying to tease me. Some of them are like realistically trying to, to move that forward, but I love that. I didn't think that up. Other people use that slogan. Other people use it every single day. But if it's something that people attach to me and, and something that's part of uh, growing up fire and, and the work that we do, Great. That's great. I will never take that as a bad comment ever, right? I used to love some of the national comments that would come. And I could always tell when a new show would come out because I would get, I'd get woken up at four or five o'clock in the morning as the East Coast started to wake up. People are, are reaching out. Is Logan married? Does he want to be? <laughs> Do Ryan and Patrick have girlfriends? You know, some of these crazy things that happened over the years. I used to just love it, right? People would just hammer away on us about, hey, oh, it's the flip-flop fire chief or or look at the guy with the shorts and just having no idea that the towns that we work for don't own us, right? We have a life 24 hours a day. They pay us eight hours, five days a week, but you live this life 24 hours, seven days a week. And uh, so, you know, you don't always have time to be the the button-down chief with the white helmet that comes from the big cities, right? And so it was fun to talk back and forth and help some people realize that it's a lot more than they think it is. And we're safe when we got to be safe and we do the things that we got to do, but that you can't walk around in your bunker gear 24 hours a day, seven days a week being ready so it looks better for them on TV. So, I mean, I used to love all that stuff and, and just educating and talking to the people, right? Having those difficult discussions. I'm a big, big, huge fan of the difficult discussions, right? We don't have to agree, but we got to discuss it and we can't be mad and we can't get pissy about it and we got to get through it. So I'm a big fan of accountability and difficult discussions. Acres Emergency Vehicles, a message from our community. A person who is risking his or her life to save the lives and properties of others deserves something as reliable as an Acres emergency vehicle. This is our mission, to thank these people with the best gift we can, our best effort. Our commitment includes a firefighter-driven design, manufacturing integrity, personal and professional service. We are here to serve. We guarantee personal and professional service every step of the way. Acres emergency vehicles, built for a life of service. 
please visit our website at www.acresev.ca. The podcast, you know what? Shout out to Adrian Lamb, CBC. I know she listens to this all the time. She got me on World on Fire. She's one of the ones that helped me get passionate about sharing the message on a different platform. So she's still got some stuff she's doing with CBC. So thanks to her. Thanks to Nick Van Walkerbarth from Slave Lake, kid I used to coach hockey with that wanted to talk about the fire, got me on his podcast. Always happy and excited about that. Daryl Black from Exigent had me on. And and so, you know, these people start to open your mind up to what you can do with words and that what you can do with your podcast and and all of these other things. You know that you got to have a brand and all this other stuff. Oh, man, it's all just stuff to pay for the podcast to be able to talk to you all the time, right? Sometimes I wish I would have just picked Facebook Live or something that was free and chatted to you and and got the discussion going because it's not what I'm saying to you that's important to me. It's what you're saying back to me that I love and, and that pushes me forward all the time. I got to work with a couple of great writers. I'll be talking about their books some more. But John and Ed, if you ever listen to this, I couldn't be more proud to have worked with you guys on, uh, you know, talking about climate change and, and breaking down some of the misnomers about climate change and forest fire. And and for you to have a chance to change my mind on some of those same things and to talk about the big fires and, and why they're big fires and what we're doing about them and, and trying to, by writing it down, capture that stuff. And look at from the 1900s all the way up till today and the big events. And to try and keep it less political and more fact-based, right? I don't think anyone can argue that fire intensity has increased. But, I mean, the number of people out there has increased. The impact with the forest has increased. The cycles of the weather. I'm almost 50 years old now. I can tell you for sure that the weather cycles There's wet years, there's dry years, there's high fire years, there's low fire years. You could have a dry year with a low fire year. It doesn't even make sense, right? And so nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. We got to look at the data. Everyone's going to interpret it how they want to interpret it. But these guys just, you know, a couple great books about it anyways. And I was happy to be part of those those processes. My buddy Daryl Black wrote a book on leadership and and we were able to go to the book launch and he's working on another one right now. And so we got to have these people. Brene Brown, she's got a ton of books on leadership. Check it out. Dare to Lead is one of my favorite, if you're wondering. And Paint Done for Me. When you hear that or read that in her book, it's a game changer in your life. Um, so watching all these careers of all of these people, right? I've talked about Daryl Black, Corey Whitlock. He never comes on the show, but uh, he's one of my favorites. Captain in Edmonton, has his own training company. His wife, Ashley, I've already talked about her today. You know, their family, they're all in growing up fire. Their two daughters probably know more about firefighting than most of the firefighters I know. And they're just young kids, but they're involved in everything. And it's awesome, right? Uh, we just had a couple of firefighters start with us from St. Albert. And of course, I know Corey Shram, the, the chief of training up there and, and worked with him my whole career. Uh, another guy, just a beauty, right? Has his own training company, helps out, helps out with St. Albert. Just impacted so many those two quarries together in fact have impacted so many lives i can't even tell you brant up fort saskatchewan there tactical hazmat another guy right just got sick of the grind got sick of the posers and started up his own outfit just always proud of those guys that take that chance take that step out there use their knowledge for good so brent keep it up buddy 
you're killing it. There's so many more. I mean, I hate to even name names because you don't know where to start and where to stop, but Andrew Milton and Paul Maynard, Mike Lockett, uh, Hillard Ewing, Daniel Cheeseman. These are folks from out on the East Coast, Nova Scotia. Uh, they're all out doing a big conference today, in fact. And uh, these guys reach out to me constantly, and it just blows my mind. They're from Nova Scotia, right? Uh, Ron Enman from Summerside PEI when he's getting his new hall and we're talking about his new hall and you know these incredible connections that you have across the country that just tells you how great the fire service is couldn't be more proud to be part of it couldn't be more proud to have interactions with all of these firefighters I'm lucky you know what I get to reach out to you through this medium I get to go places going to Manitoba in October going to Nova Scotia in November back to Alberta, do some speaking in December. Like I get to talk to firefighters about all the greatest things in the fire service and get to help them with their local problems. Whatever's going on, we could talk about that. I am so lucky. I've been so blessed to have this career, to be in this fire service, to be able to do all of this stuff. So many, so many interesting people. Got to see so much human nature right? The people that are happy for you when things are going good, the people that hate it when things are going good for you, the impacts that you have that you don't even know. Years down the road, people talking about when you trained them at the fire school or when you when they worked for you as a volunteer dozens of years ago in Slave Lake or people that heard you talk at different conferences across the country and, and how you impacted them. This job is so special. I'm so lucky to be a part of it. I don't want to get too emotional. It's not really me, but I do love it, right? Collecting up uh, the sayings, right? And so I'm just going to share a few with you. I got my phone cranked open here. And and I know my grandma didn't invent this saying, so you don't have to send me messages saying it was your grandma. <laughs> but one of my grandma's favorite sayings was, walk a mile in my shoes, then criticize as you choose. Man, if we all just took that saying and applied it every single day, would that change the world, right? You know, everyone talks about uh, keep the kittens in the box. Uh, a couple of other ones to that is a wheelbarrow full of frogs that I love. My friend, Terrace Melnichuk, Bush Baby, who you've heard me talk about many times. Uh, we've lost him recently, but he would always, always, always say to us, innovation, not imitation, right? And some of the biggest haters I've had in my career they're all just a bunch of imitators. They just want to take something that they saw and make it their own and think that they can make it better and they can't, right? Innovation is key. Don't be an imitator, be an innovator, right? Remember that, carry that forward. Any fool can take someone else's idea and try and make it their own, right? Instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to be innovative with this idea. I like your idea. I'm going to borrow what I can and I'm going to make it fit our fire department. I'm going to make it bigger. I'm going to make it smaller. I'm going to make it fit. Be an innovator. Yesterday's history and tomorrow's a mystery, right? My buddy Ronnie Lucan out of Slave Lake, longtime firefighter in Slave Lake. Now he's got a bunch of companies. He sent me that one day, probably on a day I needed it more than he'll ever know. That's one that I love, right? Bravery is not the absence of fear, but action in the face of fear, right? And that's the firefighter way, right? People, oh, while well, we run in, while well, they run out. That's not really the thing. It's not because we're braver than them. It's because we're trained to do that. It's because we have the right PPE. It's because it's the job we signed up to do. And so what makes that brave is that it's still dangerous and we still do it anyways, right? 
we're equipped, trained, ready to go do the job, it's still brave to go do the job because it could still kill you. You know, this is not about turf and ego. This is about efficiency and performing at a higher level. So ego, turf, time, and money. You've heard me say it a million times. You'll hear me say it a million more. If you're turning the radio off right now, that's okay. I get it. You're sick of hearing it, but it's true. Those are the things that hold us back, right? We got to do better. The age old, you can't train too much for a job that could kill you. We were just talking about that. Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. You know, there's an all-time beauty. Millions of people think they invented that. That's another good saying, right? Oh, this one drives me nuts. So true though. Promoted to the level of incompetence, right? How many times in our life, not just the fire service, do you see that people get promoted beyond what they're able to do and nobody wants to have the difficult discussion and nobody wants to to tell them that they're not ready for that. So we just let it go. It's one of the downfalls here in Canada. No question. Teamwork makes the dream work. Anyways, I got a huge list on my phone. I don't want to read them all to you. You got to find your own. You got to have your own list. You got to live by your own code, not mine, right? So I do say you should try to do that. In my opinion, every firefighter, open up your phone, notes section. And when you hear stuff that impacts you, if you hear things that you think you should be saying to other people, write it down, share it with them. Talk to them about it. Talk to the person that said it. Say, where did you hear that? What does that mean to you? How does that drive you? Those are the things, in my opinion, that we just can't let go of. We have to capture those things. We have to drive those things. We have to keep them moving forward, right? We live our lives differently than other people. As a firefighter, whatever level, I'm not going to break it down into chiefs. or When you're running into fires, when you're going to rescues, when you're going to water calls, when you're helping with medicals, we, we live our life differently than other people, right? A lot of you are probably like me. You don't like to have your back to an exit. You check the hotel doors. You know where the exits are. You're always thinking of the worst case scenario first, right? Do I love it that I'm like that? No, but I'm always ready. I'm always ready. And so for me, our life is different, but for me, it's better, right? There's no medical thing that's going to happen where I just have to sit there and cry. I'm going to be able to act and react. There's no fire thing that's going to happen where I have to run away. I get to run towards. There's no rescue thing where I'm just going to be like, well, I can't figure the situation out. So I quit. That is not going to happen to me. And I don't like words like never and always, but I'm going to break my own rule and use it. I am always ready. I could be scared. I could be nervous. I could wonder if I can get through it. I can wonder if it's going to kill me, but I am always ready. And so that changes. I get to go through life being a firefighter. I get to go through life being ready. And those are the parts that I for me, are the greatest parts. It's why we're always learning. It's always why we're always pushing ourselves. Sometimes I get mad. There's the gimmick stuff, right? Everyone wants to have their own acronym. Everyone wants to tell you that they're a better trainer than the other person. Everyone wants to say their props better, right? I get that. That's all business stuff. But at the end of it, how can you be mad when people are trying to push things farther ahead, right? They're trying to innovate. I'm not sure there's better ways to put water on fire than just putting water on fire. But I want to hear your idea. I want to discuss it. I want to see if I think that, you know, you're making a bigger impact than others. And that's what's so great about it, right? Do I love being a bit heartless? After 30 some years, 
Do I love the way that I talk about things when I'm in private? Do I love the way I think about things when I'm in private? You know, the saying INS, interfering with natural national, <laughs> natural selection. I was talking about that the other day and I actually had to dead stop myself and go, like, you're talking to someone that doesn't know what you're talking about, man. This person isn't a firefighter. They don't, they don't think like you. They haven't seen what you've seen. They don't just shut your mouth and, and move on. This, this person doesn't need to hear what you're saying, right? And so do I love it that I'm a bit heartless? No, but I do love that I understand emotions at a high level. You know, I've seen the best of the best when we save people, I've seen the worst of the worst when we can't. We've all been on scene when the phone's ringing and we know their loved one's not coming home and no one wants to answer the phone and no one wants to touch the phone, but we all want the ringing to stop. Do I love that I'm a bit heartless? No. But do I love that it's changed how I look at every single thing in my life and how I can understand people's reactions to things? Yeah, I do. I do love that, right? It makes me feel sorry for a lot of people that they don't understand emotion, but it is what it is. And there's another one of my isms, sorry. You know, we just move forward from that, right? You know, what's it like to be a fire chief? I get that all the time. Here I am talking about training and everybody and, and we're as a company developing a, a leadership course for smaller fire departments, kind of the pieces that get missed in 1021 or, or some of these big city leadership training sessions, right? So we're just trying to help out the little guy. And, and to me, uh, one part I talked about a lot and, and I do talk about a lot is as chief, no matter where you are, no matter how big it is, you have to remember that you're part janitor, you're part trainer, you're part mentor, you're part counselor, you're part firefighter, you're part leader. And frankly, you have to be a little bit of whatever somebody needs from you. It's the part of being the boss that's the hardest. One person needs a counselor. Hey, you know, I'm having trouble with my wife. And, you know, another person's having trouble sleeping or, or something's impacting them from the job. I'm OCD clean freak. Everything has a place, everything in its place. So when I walk around a fire hall, I can guarantee you I'm part janitor. I love that part and I respect that part. We get a janitor comes to the fire hall on Fridays and I spend time with that guy every Friday right? He's doing a job that I respect. He's helping us out. He's changing the way that our firefighters look at things. He only does the public areas, but I think that drives the, the firefighters to do their areas even better than they've been doing it. And so I love that, right? The, the trainers. I would say that hands-on 1001 firefighter trainings in my rearview mirror, sadly for me, uh, my career's kind of past that. I still like to go to that training and I still like to listen to the other trainers, the people that are in it. Today's their day training about it. Patrick and Glenn, a couple guys that I work with from Kelowna and Edmonton, they're, they've been in Manitoba with us last week training on a bunch of stuff, structure protection basics, engine operations, the small fire department leadership training. I just love what they send me at night, the pictures and the, the texts and the phone calls that we get to have about how they're impacting these firefighters and, and how those firefighters are impacting them in this little tiny, tiny place of a few hundred people, right? And so to me, that's, that's what it's all about. It's all the pieces of the puzzle coming together to do that job, right? It's the responsibility to step up and lead and people shy away from it for a thousand different reasons. And I will just say to you, I need you to run towards it for a thousand different more reasons.
We need great leaders now more than ever. And I'm not, this is not a political message. This is, I'm not getting into it, right? In general, in our life here in Canada, top to bottom, front to back, we need better leaders. We need our leaders to take more training. And I'm not saying get your master's and all the things to, that it takes to get a job nowadays. I'm not even in love with all of those ideas. What I'm saying is just always try to do a little bit better every single day, right? It's not many, how many letters you have behind your name. It's how you impact your team. It's how you build your team. It's how you support your team, right? And the team is everything. Again, almost 50 years old and I've built a reputation. I've built a career out of knowing how to build a team and how to interact with the team. You got to know when to walk away from it. If you're not the right piece, you have to know how to find the right pieces to build a team that you're brought in to build. And all of these are complex situations with complex answers and questions that we got to go through. The path is filled with a million difficult discussions, right? How many firefighters on your fire department aren't doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason? And how come nobody's talking to them? Right? Is it politics? Are they scared? Are the right? If you go to work every day scared for losing your job, I can tell you 100% that you are in the wrong job. Move on, move forward, move away from that situation. You got to build yourself. You got to trust yourself. There's lots of great jobs out there with lots of great people, but just keep trying to make yourself better, right? Try to be that great leader. Mimic the good ones. Learn from the bad ones. I think I'm up to like 16 CAOs I worked for now. There's a handful, five or six that are just like, they're the best. They're the best people. They were the best CAOs I worked for. There's five or six that are the worst, the absolute, like I have no idea how they got those jobs or why they kept them. And in the middle is a group of people that were always trying to get better and to move up to that top piece, right? I love that. I love that whole piece, right? I love that interaction, administration, council, how you've got to do all those pieces. I go around and I see so much anger towards government, right? But if all you're going to do is complain about it, you're not helping. Government people are just normal people. They got normal jobs. They have a normal understanding of the world. There's nothing special about them other than they got elected. Don't ever believe that there is, right? And so it's about how their charisma and their leadership skills and their ability to learn and to decide and to move things forward. It's about their ability to lead a team and to build a team and to move those ideas forward as much as it is for all of us. And so don't spend your time hating on them. Spend your time educating them. Spend your time working with them. Spend your time trying to make the ideas better and flow easier. Just walking around hating on everybody it doesn't do anything. It doesn't help. It doesn't show anything. You don't like this leader or that leader. You don't like this counselor or that council. You don't like this government official or that government official. You don't like this administrator or that administrator. Wow, maybe you're the problem. Just going to throw that out there, right? And so if you're unhappy with everything and everyone else is trying to be happy, you might be the person that has to leave. You might be the person that has to change. You know, I've done that in my life. Quote Don Nadiuk from the Alberta File Training School way back in the early 2000s when I worked there. Life is too short to do a job you hate. I'll say it again. Life is too short to do a job that you hate. So move on. 
If you got to go lateral, go lateral. If you got to go down a step, go down a step. If you can go up a step, go up a step. Step out of your comfort zone. Do the things that you have to do to become a great leader. Reach out to the people you have to reach out to. I was talking earlier about Daryl Black, and it's just one of my favorite examples. He has a very different leadership style than I subscribe to, but we are great friends. And I learned so much from Daryl about leadership and style and and how things are going, right? And I I take pieces of what he teaches me and I implement them into my own style. And so we don't have to agree on every single piece and we never will, right? We're just two different people. But we agree that we have to hear different perspectives and put that into ours and move it all forward. And that's the things that I love. That's the parts that drive me is that we can have different perspectives, we can have different goals. And we can still help each other and still move it forward. It doesn't have to be one person has to be put down for another to step up, right? If you're doing that, you're doing it wrong. I'm going to leave it there, right? I appreciate you all. appreciate you listening to our show. I appreciate all the support. Sorry you had to listen to me drone on for an hour. But it was time. It was time to talk about these things and to, uh, to help you out where I can help you out and to drive discussion. So when this comes out, I know it'll drive discussion. I know I'll get a bunch of messages and phone calls. I love that. I love that you're you're with us in this journey and you're helping us out. So stay out there, stay doing it, stay safe. That's it. Episode 21, season two, Growing Up Fire. Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.